Welcome to the Alyssa Cohen Podcast, where I help you find what makes you happy, healthy, and what fills you up. If you like what you hear and want to support this podcast, you can check out my Patreon page, where you can get extra content that only my Patreon community has access to. You can find that and more links at alyssacohen.com. Hey everyone, thanks for joining me today. I'm here with Corey Lee, who is a friend of mine. We actually met because we were dating the same person, yes. right? Yep, many years ago. <laughs> yeah, we were dating the same guy, unbeknownst to each of us. Yeah. So we dumped him. <laughs> and and joined friends. <laughs> how are you? Good, how are you? Good. So <clears throat> you've talked to me a little about your past yeah. Uh, but I really didn't, I never knew really what, I, I knew it was like a religious thing that mm-hmm. you had been in growing up, but I didn't know what it was. So the other yeah. night when you mentioned it was the Jehovah Witnesses, mm-hmm. um, I was fascinated. We started yeah. talking about it and I thought it would make an awesome podcast. I agree. Everyone's always fascinated with it because it's, a, you know, people don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Not everyone. Yeah. So what, well, can you explain what it is a little? Um, well, Jehovah's Witnesses is a Christian-based religion. Um, they have a different structure of beliefs than typical Christians. Um, I know the majority of people know that Jehovah's Witnesses do not celebrate holidays, and that's kind of all they know. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of information, but the quick version of it is they believe that uh, God is Jehovah, Jehovah's Son is Jesus, they do not believe in the Trinity, they believe that Jesus has um, died and gone to heaven and that he'll come back. Um, They also think that Armageddon will come and destroy all the wicked and that there are signs that will happen that show that Armageddon is about to happen and that Jehovah will get rid of uh, the destruction on the earth and then he'll bring about a new paradise um, where only his believers will live. It, it goes more in depth than that, but sure. um, that's kind of the gist of it. Okay. I know they don't celebrate Christmas or believe in blood transfusions, um, mm-hmm. but there's some other weird things I've heard. So why don't they celebrate birthdays? That's one thing I've always wondered. Well, they don't celebrate any holiday or event that isn't in the Bible. Okay. So there's no real um, account of Halloween, Valentine's Day, um, Christmas even, um, any kind of Western holiday, there is none of that in the Bible, and rather they only celebrate what they consider uh, the celebration of the death of Jesus, which is in some religions it's Passover, it happens every year in April, where we celebrate and thank Jesus for giving his life in order to save mankind. Okay. So, on that other note, <laughs> it's really all about God and Jesus and not celebration of self. Okay. And what about, like, you can't practice yoga or smoke or play competitive sports or buy a raffle ticket or read horoscopes? I mean, what okay. is that? Okay, so I'll address a couple of that stuff. Okay. Um, you, they don't want you doing anything that might align with other spiritual practices. So I'll quote you on yoga and reading horoscopes. There is no way that they would be reading horoscopes. They believe horoscopes to have things to do with pagan ties. Um, as far as play competitive sports, 
that I never got to play sports as a teenager, a young child. They don't want you to be associating with anyone who isn't a part of the Jehovah's Witness religion. So extracurricular activities, having friends within the school system, that is not an option. Um, and did you go to a regular school? Yeah. Okay. yeah so, but you couldn't be friends with no, any of the kids? No, I couldn't. Wow. Because they were, with, and this is a term in Jehovah's Witnesses, religion they are worldly the term worldly means non-believers and they equate anyone who doesn't believe in jehovah's witness religion to be a bad association they'll draw you away from the religion oh yeah so did you were you friends with the other kids in the religion well i was and i wasn't i i belong to a couple different kingdom halls and the kingdom hall is the church Okay. Um, we moved around, uh, think twice, uh, I, when I moved in with my grandparents. And my Wait, grand- did you purposely move near a church? Uh, I mean, no, there's usually a church within a tri-town area. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, um, I, when I first was exposed to the religion, I was living in Middleton, and I went to the Middleton congregation. Uh, there were no kids, my sisters, and my age. Uh, it was very hard. I was... I didn't have that social interaction that I needed. It was all older people. Um, so my grandparents, after... Wait, know, wait. So were your parents into this? My birth mother had been exposed to it and then ran away. So okay, so when you were born, what your mother and fa- your mother was into it but ran away? Uh, no, my mother hadn't been in it. She ran away at age 13. She ran away from... Home. Oh, okay. So by the time she had you, yeah, she was, she wasn't in it. No. And then why did you go to live with your grandparents? My mother suffered from alcoholism and addiction, and she was not able to raise my sister and I. It was a really bad situation, um, unsafe, nickel- a lot of neglect. So. And where was your father? My father, my sister and I had different fathers. My father was out of the picture. I did see him, um, but he wasn't able to raise me. Okay. He also had struggled with uh, a drug addiction. Okay. And, um, yeah, we, I did have visitation rights with him. Okay, so when did you, what happened that you then went to your grandparents? Well, there was a lot of abuse going on, so there was one event that precipitated DSS getting involved, and um, we didn't have other family except my grandparents, Um, and to make the matter even more confusing, my grandfather is my blood, but my grandmother, who ended up raising me, is not my blood. Uh, He remarried. Okay. So, uh, it was, a, it was Christmas time, and my mother had a party with her boyfriend, and they ended up feeding one of the pit bulls alcohol. And the dog, I remember it vividly. My sister was playing with the dog uh, and getting it to jump in the air, and it lunged and bit her from the throat to the top lip. Wow. And she was, she was going to die, and she, we got... You know, the, the ambulance came, and luckily she pulled through, but it was, you know, a life-changing event. We ended up getting placed with my grandparents. They were the only ones who could take us. Um, if not, we would have ended up in foster care. Wow. So how old were you and your sister? I was seven. My sister was nine. Okay. And um, 
So so you go to live with your grandparents. Yeah. And they're already Jehovah Witnesses. Yeah, they've, they've been Jehovah's Witnesses now for years. Okay. Because they tried to raise your mother like that, but she ran away. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay, so what happened when you went to live there? It was, at first, I would say the first year, it was, um, it was fine. It was a huge polarization of what I had been experiencing with my mother. With my mother, I had neglect, violence, abuse, um, you name it. And then I get to my grandparents' house, and it was being overly sheltered, or uh, controlled, um, and I was, in fact, safe. Uh, it was fear in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there were happy times, definitely. I'm not saying the whole thing was this bad, but um, there was. It was just such a different world. So it was a big adjustment. Um, if I could give you a little glimpse of what yeah. a week looks like yeah, yeah, in definitely. a witness life, yeah, that would be awesome. Um, you go to two and a half hour meetings three times a week where you read the Bible. People um, in the congregation, they give talks and counsel everyone. Um, there's interactive parts where you can answer questions that these um, the brothers on the platform ask. Um, besides that, you're expected to do daily Bible reading and um, your own family study within the family. And then you also, which everyone else knows Jehovah's Witnesses for, you go door to door. Right. So what is the whole door-to-door thing? It's just recruiting people? Yeah, in a sense. it's um, Jehovah's Witnesses believe it's their duty, um, as told by Jesus, to go forth and preach the Word of God. And they've taken that very seriously, going to people's doors, um, offering Bible studies, literature, in hopes that they will then convert this person to be saved. And how often does that work I mean in my experience um yeah do you have any idea how often that really works because in my experience very little I know I've actually recently read statistics that it's uh it's gone way down they don't they don't have that and I also do they still do that they don't actually because they do it in a different form now they rather, they take all their publications, which is the Watchtower and Awake, and books and the Bible. And what is the Watchtower? That's their, like, manual for what? It's you... not a manual, but it's, a, it's like, written articles publicized by this thing called the Watchtower Society, which is based in New York, Pennsylvania area. And it's a big group of Jehovah's Witnesses that put out material to, to teach and draw things from the Bible. And, and are they called, who are the They're el- like study guides to the Bible. Okay. And who are the elders? The elders are, so, you know, just to compare this to other religions where they call members brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. We do that too. But amongst the brothers only... There are things called, uh, people call elders, which are men in charge, essentially. Uh, it depends on the size of the congregation. I've, you know, there could be 10, 11 of these men, and they always are giving talks and counseling you after hours. And, you know, it's, um, it's a serious duty considered to them, and it's a privilege. To be an elder? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay, so... So you were saying like a day in the life. So a day in the life, <laughs> yeah. So we would have 
watchtower studies within the family. We go door to door um, and things that you would aspire to. The top thing you could ever aspire to in the religion would be a pioneer. Now, a pioneer is someone who goes door to door for a certain amount of hours per month. And I believe it's 90 hours a month. Uh, it's almost impossible to have a full-time job and do that. So it's um, so they want you to solely do that if you can. Um, and How do people work and do that? My experience with that is that you aren't ever really getting a job that you're going to be pushing ahead in life and it's career focus only. You're getting a job that helps you get by your you're getting a job that allows you to live a life as a pioneer. Okay. So, and of course it's different with it, you know, with everyone, not everyone is doing that, but that's sure. what, you know, is taught and what a fair amount of people do. So did you go door to door when you were a child? I did. It was humiliating. Really? Yeah. It was, um, it, fe- it actually has kind of the base of a lot of my social anxieties today. I was how so? Um, well, I it was so bizarre. It was scary. I mean, not everyone's nice. They want you off their property. They don't want you coming in their space, telling them they need to, you know, study the Bible or they're gonna die. Um, often is that what you would say to people? Well, not directly, but what would you the say? message was. Um, Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. I would say, hi, my name is Corey. We're going door to door today. We're offering a watchtower and wait. This article is about um, Armageddon or, you know, whatever the article is about. And if you'd like to to look at this more with me, we'd love to have a Bible study with you and show you what God is promising for the future. Stuff like that. Um, What was more embarrassing about it to me was a lot of times I would run into these kids from school who knew me. But didn't know much about me because I wasn't allowed to hang out with them. So they would, why are you here? And I didn't, I, it was just so hard. And how old were you when you did this? Oh, I did it from the ages of seven to, I think the last time I went out in service was 19. And then I, I remember the last day I had it. Really? Yeah, what, someone came over their stuff. threshold, chased me down the stairs, and told me to get off their property. And internally, I said to myself, I will never go out and service again. Wow. I, I just was sick of it. Yeah. You know, the, the, I didn't even want to do that. Yeah. But it was just like brainwashed. It was too. a requirement. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you feel like it was a form of brainwashing when you were in the Jehovah's? Oh, yeah. To- the whole structure of the religion matches brainwash techniques. I mean, you're... You don't get your own choices. You're brought in as a child or you're born into it. Um, if you don't do what they say and you don't, and you're not apologetic and um, repent to the elders and talk about it, you're, you're disfellowshipped or um, outcasted from the congregation. So, did you live in fear that what if I do something wrong? Yeah, am I going to be outcasted yes. from my family and for? I mean, that's a horrible thing as an yeah. adult. But I mean, especially as a, as a person who had already been abandoned, right? As a young yeah. child, yeah. I mean, that was always on my mind. Um, I remember specifically one time we were learning in the congregation about uh, World War Two and the Nazis, mm-hmm. and 
how they basically were saying, you know, if it comes to it, you better be taking a bullet if they ask you to denounce, in which the Nazis did denounce this or you're dead. Um, I went home that night and said, I was filled with fear. And I said to my grandparents, I don't... How old were this mm, 12, 13. Okay. And I was a different type of teenager. I was very deep and intellectual, so these things bothered me. Mm. But I said, I don't think I can do this. I couldn't just take... I couldn't have a soldier put a gun to my head and tell me to refute to denounce the Jehovah's Witness religion. And then, you know, I couldn't decide. I couldn't do that. Um, and then you don't worry about it. Um, that's not going to happen right now. But, yeah, you you know, and Je- you never know. Jehovah takes care of you. But it was just pumping fear into to my um developing brain and I think that that's kind of the tactic they use to keep people within the religion so when you went to people's homes did they I mean I know a lot of people say no I'm good no thank you yeah. I'm not into it what do you say after that do you want to be saved no we, we leave okay. politely because I've had them come to the door oh, yeah. and say oh you don't want to be saved and I'm like really? no yeah what are you going to say I would say yeah. no I'm good thanks yeah <laughs> like, I know. maybe they've the changed you know yeah. their approach but right. um, you, usually you would leave but that's not the last time you'll see them okay. and uh, unless the they call them householders whoever you're at the door talking to uh, unless the householder specifically states do not come on my property again no trespassing etc okay. they'll be back because that we we go in rounds so we would do portions of a town go to another portion you know six months later we'll be back in that neighborhood because their mentality is well they might have had a life changing event maybe they've thought about it Jehovah gives people second chances right. so we would be back and yeah it was so weird I, and you would like know the certain neighborhoods where people hate it you know really? yeah totally okay wait what if you because i've never invited them in to my home yeah. so what if what when people did any people must have said oh okay yeah I'm some in. people yeah definitely okay so what happens when they say come in what do you do with them um you sit down and you share scriptures with them and then you so you're praying with them. I uh, generally not on the first visit, okay. it, but you set up <laughs> plans for the actual Bible studies. Okay. So now you want them on weekly Bible studies. Then eventually they're coming to the meetings. Eventually followed by um, being coming something called an unbaptized publisher, which is the step before baptism itself. So it's a whole, you know line of things you have to do and that you're trying to get them to do okay and what about the stuff that um like is there sexual abuse like for is there abuse with children is there like what type of stuff did you see that was that people don't know about can you well there's abuse in every religion Mm -hmm. and and that's been going on since the 1400s there is abuse in the Jehovah's Witness religion. You just never hear about it. Right. That's why I'm asking you. Yeah. You were, I know. What were the ages you were in it? And I'll seven, ask you after. Seven to you um, 20, 21, 22. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. What was your experience? Like, what were some of the my babies, secrets well, that they kept? So, my babysitter actually was abused by a elder. And she has written a book about it. She had left the religion. Um, 
and I think she does the best she can in life. I have not been in touch with her or anything, mm-hmm. but um, I know that this elder had abused other children as well. And sexual abuse. Yeah, and nothing happened to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and if you go online, there's a community of Jehovah's Witnesses, ex-Jehovah's Witnesses, who talk about what has happened to them. Okay. Um, Are there any other, like, dark secrets that you think... Like, that people don't know about, that you think people should know? I think that there is an element of emotional abuse. I was told more than one occasion, more than, more than one age, if I didn't like the religion, if I didn't believe in it, or if I didn't abide by it, I could leave. I mean, you're talking to a 15-year-old who already had been... neglected and it was more like you just realize at a certain point I I realized these people it's religion first family is you know not as important as God and if it means losing the family that's what it means Um, so if you're if you do do something wrong and they extricate you yeah they will not talk to you in fact and will your family talk to you no no they're not allowed to because then they in fact can get disfellowshipped so if you went against the religion your grandparents yeah would be it would not it would I mean they don't talk to me now okay yeah and it doesn't have to mean that you did something like um, sex before marriage or uh, you know, you got drunk. It, it's you could leave the religion because you don't believe in it, and now you're considered an apostate, or another term for it would be a blasphemous person. Um, so they're not going to talk to you. And in fact, they don't talk to me. And I've ran into Jehovah's Witnesses at supermarkets who have looked me in the eyes and nose up and walked right by me that you you oh I know well yeah very well so how did you get out of this what well what was the mindset what happened that you started to think this I have to leave this this isn't a good thing they were in my business about everything I had I was at an age I think I was 19 20 I was dating somebody um and you're not supposed to date unless you're ready for marriage But I was starting to rebel. I wanted to be able to live my own life. So there was this Jehovah's Witness family. They had uh, this kid, and he he wasn't really into it either. We both were, you know, kind of fleeting. Mm -hmm. Um, So we started dating, and he ended up with a drug addiction, and which you often see in the youth of Jehovah's Witnesses. Really? Yeah. So he ended up with a drug addiction, and that triggered me because of where I come from. No, no, I had to save. Yeah, now I had to save him, and I, 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 I loved him, and I helped him get clean. I stuck in the relationship. I got him clean. We ended up getting married. Really, the elders. I remember the elders called me, and while we were dating still, and how long did you date for? Not long. I think um, two years. A year maybe before and you were like he proposed. 19. Yeah. And then you got married. So he was starting to live with me because he was having troubles at home. And the elders found out. And I get a phone call one day that I was going to be disfellowshipped if I didn't stop, if I didn't kick him out because we're not allowed to live together. 
I told them, there's no way I'm kicking somebody out on the street. He needs help, and I will not turn him away. Um, I, it, I did, you know, have this fear building that I was going to be disfellowship. So he ended up proposing. We got married. No, at this point, you were living on your own. Yes. So I, oh, I moved out the day after high school because my grandparents were so controlling aside from the religion I believe truly that their personalities are controlling they were rooted in you know hardcore Catholicism so they wanted you know rigidity and uh, structure and I just I was going now, was it hard stuff. for you to move out because you didn't have friends oh yeah I had no support system I, I had gotten in a fight with them. I graduated high school. The day after, I, I rented a studio apartment in Peabody. Because you were working, so you were... Oh, yeah. I had okay. a, a full-time job working for the state, uh, and I decided I don't want to deal with them no, anymore. No, you can work doing whatever you want with yeah. Jehovah. Well, not whatever you want, but I, I mean, I had a way of making a living. Okay. And, so so you moved out, but you didn't have your mother or father. No, nobody. And, so now you don't have your... You got in a fight with your grandparents. Yeah. And I said, yeah, I don't want to be under their thumb anymore. I'm old enough. And I got the apartment, and um, I was dating him. And and at this point, were you talking to them at some point again or no? Yeah. we and, You know, they were continuing to tell me I was doing wrong. Okay. And I needed to stop doing that. And I was continuing to live my life. And, you know, I'm glad I did that. So... Fast forward, we're married. His drug addiction rears its head. Um, he started drinking heavily. And there was one night I came home and he was really drunk. And he, he was, it was, the, we'll just say it was the last straw. And I left. Not only did I leave the marriage, it was the final straw with the religion. Because in my mind, I wouldn't have married this kid because I was given an ultimatum. So I was just pissed. Like, I didn't even want this. This could have been a dating thing, and it would have been over. I would have broken up with him. But now I'm, I'm married to this kid, and I, I was like, that is it. I'm done with this religion, and I moved. I moved to Ipswich from Salem and never looked back. So a few towns away. Yeah. I Oh, yeah. I was removed. Away. Yeah. Okay. Um, and slowly, I started making friends. So at that point, did you, like, denounce your religion? Oh, yeah. But I I, I believe I always was denouncing it. I okay. just didn't but take the action the... of stopping going to the Kingdom Hall. Okay, but when you stopped, did they call you? Yeah, oh, they... yeah. Okay. They call them shepherding calls, which is when the elders come to your house and, you know, try and reason with you and... So they were showing up, trying to reason yeah, with calling you. me. Yep. And your grandparents were probably asking yes. you. Um, oh, yeah. They were you're doing wrong. and. Um, it, so how long did this, like, berating activity go? Um, months. I believe six months of them trying to get me back to the meeting. And did you ever feel like, wow, maybe I made a mistake? I mean, this no. is no. really... Okay. No. The hate that grew in my heart for the congregation people butting into my business people who didn't understand who I was where I came from what emotions that I was going through um it, it's just so opposite of the core of me that you know I, it was like I got to live and and breathe and do my own thing and 
experience the world, but here's the funny part of it all. I had no life experience. I was so sheltered. I got into the world. I didn't know anything. And I, it was a huge learning curve, I would say, for five years. It was a learning curve of friends, relationships, alcohol, drugs, um, pushing, so pushing like boundaries, um, learning to find myself. What did I like? What do I want? Also, finding spirituality again after an extremist religion. And I could say that was, that's been my most important lesson is finding spirituality again. So it was all, it was like you were a fish out of water and you just had oh, to yeah. like reteach yourself. Or yeah. teach yourself. I was so, I'm sure if I saw myself now looking back, I was so socially awkward. Like when I began making friends, you know, it, looking back, it was like they weren't really good people. Mm. And then eventually I worked my way through groups and found my clique and, you know, after all these years, I've, I've got a great group of friends, but it, it was a, it was um, hard to find my people. Yeah. Because I didn't know, and I didn't know how to be within a friendship. Because mm-hmm. I never had that. And I wasn't allowed to date, and that, and that was really hard for me, was finding, um, you know, who I'm, what type of man I'm supposed to be with, or who I like. Mm-hmm. Um, this how dating goes I mean be going on a date I never did that so as a you know I'm 33 now as a 33 year old woman who uh, the dating can still be very hard for me yeah in what ways yeah in what ways well um, they always would drill uh, you know things about modesty uh, kissing intimacy pre-marriage um uh, years ago, I was more judgmental. I think I had a more judgmental perspective on people because I would label everything right, wrong, black, white. Mm. And I wasn't exposed to culture, different types of people, choices, liberties. And I think um, very much a learning curve of how to exist in a world that I hadn't been exposed to, that I wasn't prepared for. I, I wasn't you know, qualified for any job because I, we weren't allowed to go to college, you know, a community school, we could, uh, a community college, I could have done that. Why aren't you allowed to go? Because well, you're they don't be want interacting you, with other people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Really. They yeah. don't want you going off to college and getting into groups with people and being exposed to drinking and whatever. And it was it just that they're not in the church or are they, is yeah. there racism and that kind racism? Of stuff? <laughs> I have I hadn't seen that no uh-huh. but certainly um, you are not allowed to be gay oh okay. uh, if you are gay they do believe people are gay but you're not allowed to you know follow up on that you can't be in a relationship so you have to suppress that you have to suppress it wow exactly okay yeah and um, I remember I had a roommate she was gay after I had moved out years down the line and. I, I was trying to reason with my grandparents one day. Oh, you think she that Jehovah's going to kill my roommate because she's oh. gay? Well, no, we don't feel that, but, you know, she, that it's wrong. Um, there's instances in the Bible of homosexuality, and they would always bring it back to that. It, it was just infuriating. Yeah. You can't fight ignorance. No. No. So in what ways... 
so it must have affected you emotionally and mentally on so many levels. Yeah. Like within relationships with friends and in romantic partners mm-hmm. and like just the fear that comes up. Yeah, and especially because I have all the other fear from my childhood life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that within friendships, I never knew how to keep one. Um, if someone did something to me, I just, you know, never see them again. Never, And I would hold that grudge. And it was hard for me to understand how friendships work. Mm-hmm. And it would rack me with sadness and anxiety because I just didn't have a best friend. And I, I was at an age where everyone had a group and I had no one. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't... And, I couldn't be within a friendship because I didn't know what a friendship entailed. Mm. And so it took me a long time to get quality friends. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as relationships, it's it's been hard. So So after you when you got divorced eventually. Yeah. Did you start dating right away? No. Or, okay. Um I, I I wouldn't call it dating, no. I would go on dates with people or I would hang out with people, but I wasn't, you know, taking anything seriously. I wanted love. I wanted a relationship, but I was looking in all the wrong places. I didn't have anything to, anyone to look to. My grandparents, and I think really any couple that I saw within the religion, they lacked intimacy. I never saw my grandparents engaging in a intimate moment uh, never went on date nights uh, they their marriage wasn't you know what I would say romantic love and just the way they would talk to me about what relationships were I mean I remember having a wicked awkward conversation with my grandfather once about oral sex I mean yeah it was humiliating and I felt awful and he was just saying how oral sex was wrong so <laughs> That sticks with you. Sure. To go in a relationship as an adult out of that, mm-hmm. you have guilt. Um, pornography, that is wrong. Uh, masturbation, wrong. You could be in huge trouble for masturbation. Called out on the platform. Really? Yeah. Wow. So sexuality is taboo. You don't do it. It's, you know, missionary <laughs> position, like only to create children so for me, dating in this modern world, it's you, hard for me to do that. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Do you still, uh, well, first of all, did you go to a therapist? Would you work with um, a therapist or were you just trying to figure all this out on your own? <laughs> well, I went to therapy for what happened to me as a child, okay. but I never went for what happened to me after that. Really? And I should have. Okay. Yeah, I didn't, and I should have. So how is this stuff all... St- I mean... I- I've had to work through it on my own. Right. Um, and I do have a very close friend of almost 20 years now who also had left the religion, and we just help each other out and talk to each other and remember like what? this. Can you give and- me an example of like when she's like, okay, wait, you're freaking out. And yeah, it's just not the real. other day. Um, I was going on a first date, and I was so panic-stricken about if he tried to kiss me. Wow. Yeah, I was nervous. You know, 
what do I do? It wasn't like I thought it was wrong, but I just had, I don't have that experience and it felt, it just felt like total anxiety to me to think about, oh my God, what do we talk about? What if he tries to kiss me? Instead of being excited for that process, mm-hmm. which most people are. I mean, everyone gets ner- butterflies and nervous, but I, me, it's like days on end worrying ahead of time. Worrying what's going to happen, how should this yeah. go? Yeah, oh my God, I, I don't want him kissing me on the first date, that's too fast. What about the second? And in fact, we did go on a second date. And I, you know, I thought it went really well. And he didn't try to kiss me again. And I liked that. But then I was obsessing about it after. Like, why didn't he try to why kiss me? Why didn't he kiss me? <laughs> right. um, maybe I'm not sexual enough for him. Mm. Even I'm a very sexual person in my, you know, my 30s. I've realized, like, mm. sexuality is okay. It's, it's a good human. thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good humans. thing. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, I was obsessing for for a while on that like and didn't you have a kind of an episode where you were thinking that he was like looked yeah we had a lot in common and it freaked me out and there comes the fear I was like oh my god we have all these things in common and you know what's this about I'm suspicious of him now there must be something bad about it you know it's totally what did he like research yeah or yeah like I was afraid so yeah. it's um so there's a ton of fear oh yeah you. I the fear is there it's definitely something I'm working on this year is just taking opportunities that scare me mm-hmm. because I need to have these experiences to live my life in a fuller way mm-hmm. so in what other ways do you feel like are there any other instances that you feel like wow this is totally irrational but it's this feeling but I you know it's from the past I know it's irrational but yeah I would say just allowing yourself to have sex casually um I had never done that didn't like I did you know experiment and I didn't like it because I didn't like the guilt I had after um I didn't like I judged myself on it you know, I was very judgmental myself, and I, it, you know, it didn't last long, but that was the part when I just had gone out of the religion and was, you know, trying to find my, my place, mm-hmm. and it was important that I did that, because I do know that I don't like that mm-hmm. now. I, I tried it. I don't like it, because I like to connect with people. I, I do want to know that I'm loved, and you know, it doesn't have to be a serious thing, but it, it's important to have that experience so that you know. Like, my whole thing is there's no sex before marriage, okay? So now you're going on supervised dates. Yeah, supervised, supervised like dates. with the elders or something? Uh, anyone in the congregation can go except someone younger than you. <laughs> oh God, so you have supervised dates. Then, let's say. Up until what age? Up until you're It doesn't you're matter what age. So you could be 20. And you go could be 40. Wow. Yeah. So now, let's say you move past the serious dating stage, you're engaged, you still haven't had sex. Let's say you get into the relationship. What if there's no chemistry? And let's be honest, that is an entirely uh, real possibility. Oh, yeah. So I just think it's very important to know who you're marrying. And marriage has become... Now what? Yeah, how do you feel about marriage now? As it tastes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But like, it's like 
this huge thing and I have to find this person and to understand how I tick and um, I want a very special marriage. I don't want the marriage that I was shown. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of um, patriarchy within the religion. The women is the traditional, you know, stay at home, rear their kids, and I'm fine with all that. But I want. But is there a lot of suppression? <clears throat> yeah. Oh yeah. You'll yeah. never see a, a woman on stage leading a discussion. Wow. Yeah. Never. So, so do you feel like you have all these judgments when you get into a relationship? Sometimes, yeah. I, there are these things in the relationship and it triggers me. Because it must affect you on a daily basis. I mean, you're only 32. So yeah. when you got out of it when you were 21, it hasn't really been that no, long. No, it hasn't. Um, I will say, veering off topic of relationships, yeah. I put myself through college at age 24. Mm. I paid for myself to go to UMass Boston couple semesters in. But you I, are amazing. I mean, I have to you. say, I didn't even know you went through any of this because you, you know, seem so together. I mean, you're super intelligent. Yeah. You're friendly and vivacious. Thank you. And, yeah, and healthy and you're into Well, now I but, am, but if you had met me, you know, 10 years ago, I, w- I think I was sick, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I, not in a sicko way, yeah. but I was suffering. Yeah. And it was hard. I ha- I've had to pull myself out of everything by myself never had financial help emotional help so it's you know been a ride but I get into college and I'm I'm in all these classes like they make you take electives and pretty soon I'm in philosophy religion uh, you know ethics and I'm learning about world religions and I'm drawing okay this they're all the same yeah. It's it was uh, a, a moment of awakening when I sat in this auditorium and we were learning about we were comparing religions side yeah. by There's side. There's definitely a common Oh my thread. god, they all have a book, they all have a mail. And not to just I'm not saying some of these things didn't happen. Sure. But it's man-made. Religion is man-made. It's man's explanation of life. It created out of fear of what are we doing here? In college, gave me that, and it was like, well, now I know they don't why they don't want me going to college because I'm exposed to yeah. other beliefs. Yeah. You know, it makes sense. Don't go to college because then you're going to start thinking like everybody else, and I did. Right. And thinking for yourself, right? Having a you know form of self, right? Self belief, self esteem, self mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. So, do you feel like you still hold? Like anger or fear or resentment towards the Jehovah Witness? Every day. Really? I am working on that. It's one of my... I've, I've Just this past year, I've worked through a lot forgiving and having compassion for my mom and dad. Mm. Um, which was like having a you know thousand pound weight lifted off of my shoulders. But there's something about the resentment and anger I feel for this religion, a lot of the people in it. Um, I just have difficulty accepting that people can treat other people like that and that and do so, you know, so confidently that their, you know, version of this religion is true. Um, they've never some a majority of these people have never looked into anything else. They've just Talk, what was what I learned is what the truth is. 
you know? And I have a lot of resentment towards my grandparents forcing me into a religion that I didn't want to be a part of. Mm -hmm. Uh, They ignored my emotional needs in the name of religion. Um, I see other children, other youth within the Kingdom Hall being ignored and forced to do in uh, things they don't want to do, forced to live a life they don't really want because they're afraid. Um, sometimes I've seen Jehovah's Witnesses youth in the community going door to door, and it breaks my heart. Mm. I feel bad, you know, and I just want to go up to them and say, you can get out of this if you want. I did, and so can you. I mean, life isn't easy after, but um, it's worth it you're an amazing example of that thank you yeah do your grandparents talk to you now do you no. have a relationship with them? i do not when did i don't want one with them okay so uh, it just eventually everything i do is judged mm. everything i say to them always ends up coming back to the bible mm. the watchtower and awake it all ends up coming back to religion um and it, for instance They've never read a book besides what the Watchtower Society has put out. I just, that right there is, says it all. Mm -hmm. They just do whatever they're told, and even at the cost of losing family. Mm -hmm. I mean, how is that Christian? How is that loving? It's, you know, it's uh, hypocritical is what it is. And they're full of judgment. They don't say they're full of hatred, but there is hatred there. So how has this shaped your view on spirituality? And how did you get into spirituality? And did it freak you out? Because did you think, well, this is just another religion? Yeah. Um, Okay. So I I wasn't spiritual for... For the better part of 10 years, I I wasn't having anything to do with it. I hate religion, organized religion... That's it. And I was in a relationship and I was unhappy and I picked up a book one time and it's called The Four Agreements Mm -hmm. and it changed my life. Mm -hmm. And I don't ever want to read that book again because I'm afraid that it won't hit me the same. Sure, right. right. (laughs) So I just leave it. The first time is always. So that started me on a path of, you know, finding spirituality and most of all, honing in on my my intuition and Mm. which my intuition is so strong and I was forced to suppress it I mean you're one of the most you're super tuned in (laughs) yeah thank you I mean I I was told you know just listen yeah but not listen to myself Mm -hmm. which for me that's the most damaging so even in the world of spirituality No, and even in the world of spirituality, when people, when you know, there's all these healers and this all, there's all these ways to do different things yes, in spirituality, yeah. it's not to me about following one path, it's about finding out about the path. And yeah, so like a lot of even spirituality is about like this dogma and following what piece of, whether it's like kundalini yoga yeah, or yeah. it's... Um, Buddhism, Buddhism, or you know, you have a guru, or you yeah. have a, a cha- you know channeled information, or yes. you have. <clears throat> and I've been following my spirituality for right. the last thirty five years, and there are things that I do, but I never just which, listen. by the way, I uh, I look up to you so much in that because 
you have a similar approach to me. It's very balanced. Mm-hmm. You don't just go and pick up, you know, a certain version and then that's all you do. You right. make you take pieces from everything and you make it your own. Yeah, and that's what I think being spiritual is. Yeah, me too. Being able to, and when I work with people, whether it's on a table or I'm doing a reading or whatever it is, I always tell people, take what I say or what you read or what other people say and what you hear. Yes. And see if it resonates with you. And then listen to your own higher self. So when I work with people, I'm not trying to tell them what to do or give them information to follow I'm actually, my goal when I work with people is to help them tap into the essence of who they truly are and listen to their higher selves. Right, and I should know because you've done many sessions on me. Mm -hmm. So something I want to speak to about finding spirituality was, yes, I read this book, The Four Agreements. It awakened me again to, to know that there is life with spirituality again after an extremist religion Mm -hmm. so i started on this path um it started with heavy meditation silent meditation and i didn't even know what i was doing i just started it and i experienced some really cool results i think um i added yoga in there um it, it took care of a lot of my anxiety but it took it a step further i started reading all this books on um buddhism and you know, I do love Buddhism, but I'm not one to go and just be a Buddhist. I really think the Buddhists are onto something. I, I mean, I would never be able to talk about uh, reincarnation or um, past lives. Oh, in the Jehovah's? With, no. Because yeah, they don't no, believe in any no, of that. Right? No, yeah. no. Um, so I got into Buddhism for a little bit. I still do practice some parts of Buddhism. I did, you know, I exposed myself to Kundalini. But what it boils down to, and I tell this to my friends, spirituality is personal. It's a personal thing. Just because you don't go to church on Sunday doesn't mean you're not spiritual. Everybody needs to do what is good for them. We don't need to follow a book. We don't need to follow a person. I have trouble with people who follow gurus. I don't think that you should put your faith in full control into another human's hands. Mm-hmm. We, what it all boils down to is we don't really know what's going on, why we're here, what is the earth. We still don't know. So why commit to one belief? Mm-hmm. So for me, spirituality is multifaceted. It's personal. I don't want to be a part of an organized um, religion mm-hmm. and I've turned you on to my the channel that yeah, I work with exactly and, but it even and I've worked with him for 35 years yeah but it's but and it's I still, love him yeah it, yeah it's super high information but it's also take that information and then you it's but his information is also not like listen to us and we're going to tell you what to do yeah it's, that's what I liked about it right it's about Finding your, you know, talking to your higher self, talking yes. to your the seven faces of your soul, yep. seeing your future self come in and give you answers so that you can tap into that higher knowing yeah. that you have inside of yourself so you don't have to listen to other people and be a sheep right. and follow some organized religion or... Yeah, path. I mean, with that channel that you introduced me to, I did a lot of work on... <clears throat> my younger self. Yeah, the inner child. The inner child that 
I had to deal with was with my mother and surrounding my father. And, you know, the work is always there, needs to be done still. You're never, you know, fully done. But um, I don't ever remember being asked by any Jehovah's Witness at any point in time, how you doing? How's it going? Mm. Um, you know, whatever happened to you when you were little, you're safe now. We're here no matter what. Mm. Never. You don't, they don't go deep. Like, it's just... It's robotic, and I have no time for that. Mm. It's it. It was over for me that that time they got in my business, and <laughs> I'm never looking back. It was great, you know. Yeah. So why do you think? And this is more, you know. I'm sure you've thought about this for, mm. for many years, but why do you think that happened to you? So, like for me, I think everything. You know, I believe we create our reality. Yeah. 100%. Like, how do you feel like that shaped your life in a good way? Like, that you had to go through this? Like, okay. Okay, what, like, whether it's lessons mm-hmm. or, um, you know, what did you learn? Like, why do you, when you look back, why do you think, oh, okay, this happened to me because I needed to grow in this mm-hmm. way or whatever? I don't know if you do so, feel like that. Okay. I've trashed on Jehovah's Witnesses a lot today. <laughs> <laughs> I still maintain everything I've said, but. They did teach me to have a moral compass. Mm. I mean, you're coming... I came from someone who didn't have a moral compass. I could have ended up anywhere. Oh, that's interesting. I could have ended up... My sister and I were going to be split up and put into separate foster cares. I guarantee you I would have been pregnant at an early age, if not addicted to something, repeating generational traumas. I I knew from an early age I was different, and when I, I don't want to sound weird when I'm saying that, but I was at a different mind level than other six- and seven-year-olds. I was intuitive, so I know that going through this experience of being raised by my grandparents saved me because I still have my sister. I have moved past some of the stuff that's happened to me because I've gotten to be exposed to concepts of love and compassion um, and I consider myself to be a good person Uh, my moral compass was shaped you know of basic right and wrongs like any religion teaches and I think it taught me about survival in a different form like I would, I, it's just, I survived my childhood with my mother and then in a different way I survived a traumatic childhood of being raised in a, you know, cult-like religion. So I think I needed to go through that to, to be shaped into who I am today. Because mm. uh, it wouldn't have been good if I didn't go with them. And so that's where this tug of war is, you know. Right. Oh, I love that you say that. Though. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's really cool that you can at least have that perspective. That yeah, even though it was this thing I went through, it, that you have a lot of anger and yeah. rage around, and it wasn't. You didn't think it was a good thing. You can see the light in it, right? And I believe without the religion, I would I would have been a good person, but I could have gotten into some things. Gone down about yeah. Okay. I mean. There's been no one in my no, family I think that's a great who way to look at it. really made it. 
<clears throat> my mom, my birth, uh, my ma real maternal grandmother was an alcoholic. Uh, I don't know any of my other family. I mean, I haven't even talked to you about my dad's side. It, right. It's the same thing. It's <laughs> the be another same. Podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just all generational, repeating generational yeah. traumas and, um, so maybe, so you're saying maybe this happened to you to snap you out of this, even though it wasn't yeah, the I ultimate the, ideal way to yeah, live. Yeah, I broke you. the cycle. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I think all these experiences have really been here and uh, given to me so that I can uh, arrive at a certain point where I can fully function in this world. That's really cool to hear that you, again, can see the the good that it did yeah. in your life. Yeah. Well, some days are better than others, yeah, really. Sure. So what where is your sister right now? What happened to her and how did she get out of it? So my sister and I have a relationship now. Um we've been working on one for years. So, you know, growing up, we're in my grandparents' house. Uh she starts veering away from the religion um and she meets somebody. No, was she older or younger than you? She's three years older. Okay. We so we're in the same high school, and we go to school every day together. She meets this kid who now is her husband, a lad. <laughs> she starts dating him. She starts being secretive just to avoid the problems, and eventually runs away her junior year, and. That was... So what was she, like, 16? Mm, yeah, 17. Okay. Well, she stayed back, so she was a little older. Okay. When we came to live with my grandparents, she had to stay back. Okay. So she ran away, um, which was a huge trigger for me. It was like being abandoned by my mother all over again. Uh, they would not talk to her. I fought them, my grandparents, daily fights about how awful they were how could you not talk to her well their answer to me was she's doing worldly things she's in trouble we shouldn't encourage it she, eventually she gets pregnant her senior end of senior year uh, so where did, did she move in with her boyfriend she did she okay. uh, actually she, at first she moved in with her her father oh, okay. separate dads who is a nice guy um and so yeah, that we, during that time, we did not talk. I was mad at her, le leaving me behind. Um, I didn't want to be there anymore. And uh, it felt, it was, it was really hurtful. And then I didn't even know she got pregnant. I heard it from someone at school. I think she just was afraid. Mm. Um, so she got in trouble within the congregation. She, no one talks to her. And when you say got in trouble... By the, they announce the your name from the platform in front of everyone. And they say, you're no longer... She's no longer Jehovah's Witness. And then they proceed to give a lengthy talk on what they did. But not so much, this is what Shannon did. But when we get into um, adult, uh, you know, uh, relationships outside of marriage, these, so everyone kind of know, gets the gist of what happened, why she was disfellowshipped. So it was humiliating, humiliating um, to have to sit in that chair and listen to my sister's name from the platform, to hear people talking, and uh, there's a lot of that, people judging back and forth, talking gossip within that religion. 
So she left. She's living with her dad. And then when she gets pregnant, her and her husband, uh, her then boyfriend, moved in together. And, you know, 20 years later, they're married still with three kids, two mm-hmm. of their own and one adopted. And it's amazing. I, I'm so glad she got to experience, you know, a normal life. Um, she finds joy by giving her kids things she never had. Mm. So she's always doing the holidays up big, stuff like that. And there was a period of five years where we didn't talk. I was so mad at her. Because you felt abandoned. Abandoned and mad. Like, you know, she didn't tell me about the pregnancy. She wouldn't, it felt like she wouldn't talk to me. I felt in the middle between my grandparents and my sister. So when she got married, they wouldn't go to the wedding. I had a real problem with that. You know, they they say you got to marry, be married, and then here she is getting married, and they won't go to the reli- the wedding. And you know, did they tell you not to go to the wedding? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. Um, I didn't listen, and I got in trouble for that. <laughs> but their whole thing was, well, he's not a Jehovah's Witness, and she's still um, baptized, and it's a wrong marriage. So, <clears throat> you know, it for her she. I think she had to pick up everything and get out of there and fast. And I made peace with that. And now we have a good relationship. I talk to her every day. And, oh, that's awesome. You know, we have different kind of viewpoints on the religion and no, my grandparents. She, yeah, I was going to ask you, is she still angry and does she no, still hold she stuff? Don't, no, she, uh-huh. I think she definitely holds stuff and she bottles it up. She doesn't say anything bad about them, but, um, you know... She did run away in her junior year, so she, you can tell she doesn't like them. Um, and she she's there for my grandparents um, when they need her. So I have a lot more anger and resentment going on than she does. She's able to just kind of put it in its box and file it away. So when you have kids, do you want kids? I do. Okay, so when you have kids, would you, I, I'm assuming you wouldn't, raise them with a religion but yeah so here we go (laughs) (laughs) but what would you Mm. would you teach them spirituality would you because you said you have a good moral compass from the religion I will allow them to be what they want I won't push anything on them but I will teach them what I know to be spirituality I heavily believe in meditation for each and every person including children from a young age so I will try to encourage that and um, help them find their own version. It would be very hard for me to be with a partner who's, who themselves, they themselves were religious in an organized way, like Catholic, practicing Catholic or, you know, Jewish, uh, somebody who practices religion or their family. Because I know somebody um, who just had a child, and she was raised Jehovah's Witness, and her husband's family wants the, the child baptized, mm-hmm. and she doesn't want, and it's a it's a whole thing. Yeah, I'm sure so, that would push your buttons. Oh yeah, yeah. and I, and I mean it's different. You, you can say whatever when you don't have a child, but I know that I would have a real hard time with someone telling me I need to have my kid baptized in the Catholic. Uh, church <laughs> like it wouldn't go over well so yeah I think I'll um, when that time comes I have my it, 
it's going to be hard in, in its own way. And I guess that's where that fear comes from. Like, okay, I have a, an, a baby now. I don't have a, a family to go through those motions with. Like mm-hmm. having my mom come over and helping me with the baby and, um, you know, pra- uh, having Christmas with my big family. Mm-hmm. So I'm working on just you know how that how my future looks for me what does that look like what is life look like for me post childhood trauma post um religious trauma Mm. well i know it's gonna be awesome i see a bright (laughs) shiny future thank you and i'll help you with the baby (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) well that's awesome thank you so much Corey. i really appreciate you thanks for having me hopefully someone will hear this and Either it resonates with them or they, they can look at people in religion a different way. Mm. Awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Stay elevated. Have a great week. Don't forget to check out my Instagram at Alyssa Cohen Raw. You can also watch these podcasts on my YouTube channel or listen on Podbean or iTunes. And make sure you check out my Patreon where you can get member benefits, rewards, behind the scenes content, and live streams with me that only my Patreon family has access to. You can easily find links to all of this on my site at AlyssaCohen.com.